0: Well, before um, the first service this morning, I was talking to somebody who was here to to be at that um, service. And I said, now this morning, I said, you know, this sermon is probably going to seem a little bit different than uh, many of the ones that you've heard from me over the past week since I've been here. Um, Maybe a little bit harder to connect the dots, but I'm just going to ask you all, Work hard, try to stay with me. I'm trying to make all the dots connect, and you'll see about that as we go along. I'm gonna be reading um, the very end of the Gospel of Luke. Luke actually wrote two books. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, obviously, and he also wrote the Book of Acts. And he is the only writer that talks about what we're gonna be talking about today. So I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, and that's his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And boy, that's a good prayer for us, that the Lord would open our minds to understand. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem." You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven." And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, I'm kind of the queen of doing dumb things. And one of the dumb things that I did at one point in my life. It was in the years when I was running the family business. I planned a birthday luncheon for a friend, made the reservations, and then when the day t- came, I just totally forgot about it. And right before noon, I was gonna call her to talk about something and her assistant answered the phone and said, well, she isn't here. She went to a birthday luncheon and I thought, I'm her best friend. How come I wasn't invited? <laughs> and I suddenly realized I better get there. Of course, I was late getting to the restaurant, but, you know, duh. I do these things. Well, you know, I hope you're in better shape than I am. But, you know, have you ever missed out on something and something that was important? And maybe you missed out on it not because um you were like me, maybe you didn't even know what was going on. Maybe, you may have heard about some event and thought, boy, if I'd known that, you know, somebody was, you know, that concert was being given or whatever, I would have been there, but I didn't know about it. Well, something happened this week that I'm pretty sure that a number of you missed. In fact, I can almost guarantee that a bunch of you missed it. It was on Thursday. So think back to Thursday. Thursday was May the 18th. Well, that doesn't have any particular ring to it, does it? What happened on May the 18th? What happened on Thursday that was significant? What it was, it was Ascension Day. And Ascension Day, I think, without a doubt, is one of the most overlooked days on the church calendar. You know, everybody in the world, even if they're not Christians, they know when Christmas is. You know, every little kid, one of the first dates they learn on the calendar is December 25th. And and those of us who've been in church then for a good while, we, we know all about Advent that precedes Christmas. And and we think about Easter, and, and Easter isn't like Christmas with a specific date given to it, but but we all know that Easter comes along sometime in March or April, and um, some of us are even fairly familiar with what um, we were talking about earlier that's going to happen next week when it's the day of Pentecost, and it's going to be Confirmation Sunday, and You know, if you think of it, wear your red and we'll look real celebratory. But this past Sunday probably slid by most Christians. And it certainly slid by all the (coughs) non-Christians. Excuse me. And, you know, to pay attention to Ascension Day, you have to do the math. It's the 40th day after Easter season—it's ten days prior to Pentecost—and because of that math, it always falls in the middle of a week. It's always on a Thursday, and Thursday are just—you know—that's the day we're all trying to get to Friday in the weekend. So it's no wonder that it gets overlooked. But I am sorry that Ascension Day gets overlooked because it is an important day in the life of God's people. And now, of course, we give lip service to it rather regularly. You know, every time we declare our faith with those words of the Apostles' Creed, as we did earlier in the service, it's right there before us. And most of us have said it more times than we can count. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to the To judge the quick and the dead. And then we go on to the next statement and we don't think much about it. We say it. We even say that we believe it. Yeah. We do believe it. But it's one of those things we slide past because, you know, what is it that we mean? What is it that we're actually stating to be true? And and even more than that, why does it matter? Does it matter? Well, it does matter. But let's get back, first of all, to the basic facts of that day. As I said, it was Thursday. We know it was Thursday because when Luke tells about this in Acts, he says that Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection. And during that time, after the resurrection, Jesus was in a physical body, although we might call it a glorified body. I'm going to use that expression here today. But he was physical. He walked. He ate. He spoke. He lit a small fire and cooked a meal for his friends there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, They could see the scars from the crucifixion wounds. They were very visible. But it was a glorified body and the fact that he was no longer subject to death. That was behind Jesus once and for all, never to happen again. And... In this glorified state, he apparently had greater freedom of movement because in Scripture we see that there were times when he would rather abruptly appear in the middle of a group of people or maybe just as abruptly not be with him. So it it was a little bit different, but it was still very physical. But we come to this 40th day, and on this 40th day, after blessing his friends and giving them some final instructions, he physically left them. One moment he was there, and the next moment he wasn't, and they didn't see him again. He was carried into heaven, and when Luke tells this in Acts, we... He tells us that a cloud hid him from their sight. So we get all of that. But the questions continue. Where did he go? Where is he now? Well, as we consider that, maybe the first thing we need to do is think about what we call heaven. What is heaven? Now, a short answer for that could be heaven is God's dwelling place, wherever it is that God dwells and reigns in all of his glory. God is in heaven. God's in his dwelling place. And humankind, that's all of us who are the highest of God's created beings, created in God's own image, we have earth for our dwelling place. So heaven, God's dwelling place, earth is our dwelling place, so far and so good. And we all know where earth is because we're on it. But where is heaven? That's the next question. Now, when I was a little kid coming along, I imagined heaven as being millions and maybe even billions of light years away. It was all kind of nebulous in my thinking. And, you know, somewhere along the line, I heard this song with the line, Far beyond the stars my soul is longing to go. Let's just say I don't think that's the greatest theology, okay? But you may have heard some similar kind of song, and I don't know if you were like me as a kid growing up. Maybe you had imaginations that were similar to mine. I think for many people, the idea of heaven is sort of this spiritualized Star Trek. You know, some galaxy far, far away, that sort of thing. I mean, I, you know, I was a kid. But over the years, my understanding has grown and I have begun to have a different and I think better, it's still a mystery, but a little bit better understanding of heaven. As I said, yes, it's very real, it's the place where God dwells, where God resides. But I think it's not so much up or way out there, somewhere in the stratosphere, but it's more, if you will, through. God's dwelling place, but I think much nearer to us than we often consider. So I've got to hang on to that dot Now, the next thing I'm going to say is it can be really hard for our minds to grasp because, I mean, we're all so used to what we're used to. We're used to living in the world that we're used to, and I'm used to putting my hands on this pulpit and, you know, the whole three-dimensional thing and this and that and the other thing. But I think maybe one way to think about heaven is as... An additional dimension to our world, a dimension that we can't see right now, but is actually very, very near. And one way to think about that is that it's through some sort of a curtain or a veil, it can't be seen, it can't be touched but it is there. It's very present. It's a place where we in these physical bodies we have right now can't enter. J.D. Walt writes an online devotional called The Wake Up Call, which I highly recommend. And a while back, he was writing a little bit about the ascension, and he suggests this. He says, Jesus is just through the veil in the unseen realm known as the heavens. He is beyond our sight, yet closer than our breath. He is right here, right now. And I think that that world is very near to us, and I think as we come to the time of death, it becomes more near and more real to us. My very beloved father died when he was 69, way too young, deteriorated from cancer, and as he was deteriorating... My brother, and you would have to know my brother, this was very much a question that my brother would ask. He he said to him, he said, Now, Daddy, as you get to the end, tell us what it is that you're experiencing. Well, I have a notion about that. I think God gives us little hints, but I think God likes to keep some of the mystery mysterious and he doesn't let us know too much. But one of the last things that Daddy was able to say a day or so before he died, he was so weak, but I knew it was the answer for my brother. He hadn't forgotten. And he said, I'm in another world. And I truly think he kind of had, while his physical body was still on this side of the veil, his spirit was beginning to move to the other side of the veil and then went there completely when Jesus called him home at his death. I think for right now, heaven and earth sort of overlap and interlock. And I think from God's point of view, it makes perfect sense. From our finite minds, it's not quite so clear. It is one of the mysteries of our faith. So there's another dot. So maybe we need to then, as we try to understand this, go back to the beginning and see how this fits in. You know, we all know the story of creation and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how scripture begins. And, and so God created a place for God, a dwelling place for God, and he created the dwelling place for for those who are made in God's image. We talked about that a minute ago. And so all of that was wonderful until Adam and Eve sinned and the earth and its inhabitants got exiled from being in God's immediate presence. So we've had this separation ever since then. The veil has been there, if you will. But then the Son wanted to rescue us, and the Son was co-creator with the Father, and so he became a human person, and of course that happened at Christmas. There's Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He died a redeeming death, and then he triumphed over death by coming back to life, Easter. And when he did that, he has a body, a physical body that is in its resurrected state eternal. And if he had not ascended, if he had remained on earth, he would still be walking about in that same physical body because he was done with death. He wasn't going to die anymore. And he could have been showing up here and there at times during the past 2,000 years. But he said, it's better for you if I go away because then my Holy Spirit will come and we get to celebrate that next week at Pentecost. And he says, the reason it's better is because the Spirit, being spirit and not glorified flesh, can spread among all believers and permeate all believers and be the very life of Jesus in all who believe on him. So, he said, it's better for you if I go away. And so the physical body of Jesus left this earth to be in the presence of the Father, to sit at the Father's right hand and reign with him. And he entered the Father's presence in bodily form. Nail prints in his hand and feet and scars in his side, all of it. And if you read some of those great Wesley hymns, you'll see Charles Wesley talking about this, that Jesus is there with the father, still with the wounds. Wesley hymns are a great way to learn theology. Great way to learn theology. So I'm not just making this stuff up, folks. <laughs> but anyway, so, so Jesus is in the presence of the father... In his ascension, he did not become some sort of a disembodied spirit. He didn't vaporize into that cloud that hid him from the sight of his friends. When When he entered that cloud, I think he was sort of going behind the veil, if you will. And I want to just say a word about clouds in Scripture here. In the Old Testament, if you remember the stories of God leading the Israelites out of Egypt, he led them with a cloud. It symbolized God's presence with them. At the transfiguration of Jesus, and we had that scripture a few weeks back before Easter, there was a cloud when there was a special presence of God. And so Jesus being received into a cloud here, I think is sort of a hint. You know, maybe God kind of winking at us here, if you will, about Jesus moving into the presence of God. That's a fun one to think about. Go home and think about that one for the rest of the afternoon. But in the ascension then, Jesus is being put back in his rightful place. He's being established as Lord over both heaven and earth, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father Almighty, as we say time after time. The Ascension declares his authority as King of kings and Lord of lords, and it also allows him as our great high priest To carry our interests and our concerns into the very presence, the very literal presence of the Father. And that is a vital and necessary part of the whole work of redemption too. And it has wonderful and marvelous and fabulous implications for us. Because Jesus being there at the right hand of the Father and being our great high priest doesn't mean that he's just kind of hanging out there having what we might consider a well deserved rest after all of his earthly ministry and the suffering that he went through. Uh uh-uh. uh. Jesus is busy, he's very busy. And one thing that he's busy doing right now is interceding for you and for me, or to put it maybe more in our own vernacular, he's there going to bat for us. When I behave in a way that is less than my best, Jesus is there to say, Father, forgive her. She's one of mine. I've taken care of it. And when you are going through a difficult and a challenging experience, Jesus is there to say, Father, sustain him. Work on his behalf. Bring her through this very difficult and trying time in her life with her faith intact grant to her blessing as she walks through this pain. Jesus is very busy. But there's more beyond that that is bound up in the ascension. Because Jesus being in the very presence of the Father in his physical body is really a guarantee that all of us who die in the Lord, as the the apostle puts it, will also have glorified physical bodies at the time of the final resurrection. And at that time, we will also be in the presence of both the Father and of Jesus for all eternity. And I admit it's mind-boggling I confess that this limited brain, I'm thankful for the brain that God gave me, but my brain can't really grasp this. It's a mystery. It's a glorious mystery. And I think it's okay that we can't grasp something. I think God's got surprises for us. I mean, and Scripture says, I hasn't seen, and you know, we can't even begin to comprehend everything good that God has for us. So why do we think we should figure it out? But all of this is going to be revealed when Jesus returns in bodily form. And Scripture says, coming on a cloud. There's the cloud again. I think he's going to kind of, Maneuver his way around the veil, if you will, and come back. Glorious stuff. But there's even more. The ascension also launches the ministry of the church. Now, if Jesus had stayed on earth, he would have had a group of followers, you know, hanging near him as closely as they could. And he would be alive, and he would be going from here to there. But since he was done with death forever, think about it. If he had stayed around, he would be a man that we would now consider 2,000 years old. And that would be an oddity. And access to him would have been more limited to just geographic location. He, He would have been earthbound. But as we heard before a minute ago... He said to his friends, it's better for you if I go away because then the Holy Spirit will come, which the Holy Spirit did. But in the meantime, that leaves us, you and me, to be Christ's body here on earth during our own lifetimes. And yes, sometimes when we're going through stuff, we wish that we could literally see Jesus or hear his voice or reach out and take his hand and have it comfort us. But actually, friends, we can be that to one another. While Jesus is not physically here, while he is in the presence of the Father... We have the opportunity to live out his life in our own bodies. We have the opportunity, and we are called to be Jesus to other people. And other people need us to be Jesus. Because even though he has been enthroned in the heavens as king and lord, all of that hasn't come to earth yet. It will when he returns, but for right now, the earth is still a place of great brokenness. All you have to do is watch the latest news feed, and that's real apparent. And you know, and I see stuff, and I just long for him to come in his final judgment and banish evil once and for all. But then I remember, and you can remember, that he told his disciples on that final night in the upper room, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so on this Ascension Day, we praise him for the victory that has been won, and we anticipate the day that will come when there will be no more crying, no more tears, and when death, that final enemy, is abolished forever. And so the ascension of our Lord, of utmost importance, returns him to his rightful place with the Father, enthrones him as King and Lord, allows him to be there in the presence of the Father, to be our ever-available advocate going to bat for us. And it also gives to us the responsibility of sharing his love and leading other people into discipleship. Years ago, a woman who is known by many as St. Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no hands but your hands. He has given us the awesome privilege of continuing his work now while he's there. And thanks be to God.